I'm Will Hedrick. And I'm Jordan Schaffer. And this is Dog Ears and Timestamps, a book club podcast. Nostalgia podcast. Nostalgia. It's still fall. I don't think winter starts until sometime in December, if yeah. I remember correctly. Like December 12th or something. I'll have to look it up again. It doesn't matter right now. Damn, I didn't realize winter was so late. Yeah. Hmm. It's mostly Jan and February and February. <laughs> I have paused between January and February. Yeah. Between those two months is mostly what it is. Well, I uh, I asked you before, but I'm going to ask you again. Are you tired of Harry Potter yet? I'm or not. Are you ready for book five? I'm ready for book five. I'm gonna. I think I'm going to be able to watch the movie tonight because I, I want to watch the movie before I read it mm-hmm. and then after I read it because we're spreading it so far apart. Okay. And it'll keep the it'll help the movie stay fresh in my mind once we get to the final episode, like today with Goblet. Okay. So I'm, yeah, I'm going to try and watch it tonight. I'm excited for it. The the movie. I always enjoy Order of the Phoenix the movie more than I enjoy Order of the Phoenix the book. So I'll be excited to see it and then read the book. Yeah. Feel a little bit less excited and then watch the movie again. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. This is gonna be a lot of fun. Um It's been such a long time since I read it that I could be just looking at it through weird past like long ago past for like vision. Yeah. Like I just remember being frustrated the whole time with Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just one giant uh, example of being frustrated about stuff that's going on yeah um, i kind of i wish that you had like just read or listened to all the books and then this like a year ago and then this was your like coming back into it from like a refresher on the book story because uh, right at the end of this book there was like so many <clears throat> so many like setups for like a grandiose plot that i feel like she mm-hmm. actually had planned out um just like how snape at the very end uh, he didn't go to the Death Eater. Like he didn't, he didn't call. Like he didn't follow right. the, the 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 dark. What is it? The, he didn't answer the call. The, yeah, yeah. The, the it's the dark mark. The call of the, like Death the, yeah. the, the, the Death Eater. Yeah, the little Death Eater tattoo. Yeah, is that the same as the dark mark in the sky? I think it is. I think it's the same it's symbol. But is same. it? Yeah, is it a dark mark on their arm though? Too. Yeah, I don't think that there's ever an explanation of how it works. Because it's like red and faded, but then whenever he touches it, it turns it black and then makes everybody else's turn black. And then that lets them know where they're supposed to apparate to. Yeah, it's like a special charm. We learn like the name of it in the next book because Hermione uses it, but um, Voldemort does it like in their skin and makes them like, it makes them like burn and they have to, Yeah, they can like follow him. Yeah, there's just a lot of... implications as to what it means that are given just in this book mm-hmm. whenever it introduces it but never explains anything about it but you can sort of surmise what it must mean mm-hmm. man it's right i feel like it's right on the tip of my tongue what it's called uh doesn't matter but um just yeah the fact that snape didn't answer the call immediately mm-hmm. and then right after like they had all had uh had like they held congress or whatever and uh mrs weasley knew that uh, Sirius was on their side. Like mm-hmm. they, they introduced Sirius. Dumbledore had Sirius go contact yeah. like all of Harry's dad's friends, and then um, yeah, and then Mrs. Weasley was she basically was just supposed to hold down the fort. I think I don't think he gave her really any plans other than just like I need to use your kids because like his <laughs> her kids were like super way more helpful. I think like with Charlie yeah, being he, in, the, um, in, the, in the wanted to. Uh, he was just like I think all he really asked of Molly was. Just that uh, I can trust in you mm-hmm. and Arthur, right? And she was like, "Of course." Yeah. And then he was like, "Okay, well, we need to 
the you know let Arthur know immediately what's going on. Serious Black's on and, our side. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kill him anymore. Yeah. And, oh my God, Serious Black. And then I'll get in contact with him later. And Bill, who was still there, uh, was like, "I'll go right now." Oh yeah. And okay. Then that Charlie. was it. For some reason, I thought Charlie was there too. No, it no, was Charlie just, it was just get Bill. Off. Yeah. I think that he no, had you're left right. after the off. first challenge. And, and I think was I was it. just thinking Charlie was there because I. I started this book over this morning. Oh yeah, and uh, and when he meets Charlie, it was just like it's so easy to just imagine him being there, and because he, mm-hmm. he was sitting there too, like oh right after they, uh, that's why, because right after they had seen the dark mark after the Quidditch World Cup, like they were telling everyone what was going on and talking about it, right, and right. Charlie was there, kind of figuring yeah. stuff out with them. That's why I think I just connected it, but mm-hmm. yeah. So Snape has to go do like the scariest thing, and we never like experience it with him. You know, like yeah. he has to go face Voldemort. Uh, I think we late. might get like towards the end, whenever, or like in uh, at the end of Deathly Hallows, whenever we're seeing a lot from Snake's perspective, and some in Half Blood Prince as we're, well. I think we might get like a paragraph. Or we're something told like, that. like what what he has to do, but I don't think we ever see it. We never see like I don't feel like we ever really see Snape and Voldemort's relationship. Yeah, I mean, we, not... we certainly don't get a lot of it, but I, I could swear that we got one or two paragraphs of We probably something. do, yeah. We, I, I mean, I mean, obviously we're going to get to it. That's, you know, a couple of books from now. I think, because man, because there's all that time that we spend going into his mind during mm-hmm. all the occupancy yeah. lessons. And then there's all the time that we spend in his mind when all the big shit starts happening. And then he gives Harry a memory. Yeah, and that's. Then, I think just in the seventh book, like when he gives him the memories, when we find out that like, well, no, maybe in the sixth book when he's going to classes with Dumbledore. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It's right, just yeah. we can assume though, like based on the information we have now, that since Snape has the the brand of the Death Eater that I can't remember what it's called, like since he's got that, and uh, and he didn't answer, but like he's playing like double spy. Yeah. And he has been for Dumbledore for years. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's got to be, I don't know. Snape has to be so good as a wizard. Like, he's super talented. He can, he yeah, can. Yeah, he has to be, yeah, he's just super A smart good actor, cold. Clever. Yeah, yeah, clever, he knows cunning. Exactly what to do. Yeah, from like a, a capability standpoint, Snape rules. Yeah, but like, his from, personality yeah, sucks. Yeah, like reading. And as we get further into the books, he becomes a little bit more, you know, empathetic or you, you can feel a little bit more empathy for him. But he still just continues to be extremely petty. And yeah. Small. Yeah. And that's just so, you know, irredeeming for him. Um, but yeah, capability wise, he's definitely uh, relatively extraordinary. Yeah. Compared to a lot of the people that we end up meeting. Yeah. Throughout the whole series. I just I guess I guess that's <clears throat> I to. Full circle, though, back mm-hmm. to the original point. That's kind of why I kind of w- I wish you were coming at it from like a recent book standpoint, because that I don't feel like that gets pointed out too too hard in the in the movies that Snape had to go be a double agent and how hard that must have been. Yeah, because uh, it doesn't really mention it at all in the it, movies. I don't think it is portrayed so. pretty well in the books too, and it's like it it really makes you like. I feel for Snape <clears throat> at the very least that he went to the good side and, but he's, it's, it's gotta be difficult doing, doing it the way he is. Mm-hmm. Of course. Right. Yeah. 
I'm trying to think of some other stuff from the other books that like I, f I felt like she was setting up at the end of this one, but I really enjoyed this last section. It was cool. Like we went through the third task. Oh, the thing I was going to bring up um, about the third task was the Sphinx. That, yeah. Uh, but we talked about it beforehand, like a couple weeks ago, and you did remember the Sphinx. But yeah, I really liked that interaction with uh, with her. Yeah, I always thought that was a a cool obstacle. Like as far as obstacles that Harry does encounter, because he basically encounters nothing. Uh, if that's the one that he's going to encounter, that was a cool one for it to be. Yeah. As opposed to just you know he fights something. Like, we know how the fight goes. <laughs> I, w I wonder why Moody didn't... <clears throat> sorry, Barty Crouch Jr. as Moody. <clears throat> I wonder why he didn't... Sorry about my throat. I wonder why he didn't... Imperious... Sirius... Er, Cedric. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he guess... doesn't want Cedric to win. Like, he didn't want Cedric to go yeah, but on he, the cup. I guess his idea was to control um, Crumb... Because it would be, it makes more sense to frame Crumb with assault in the maze like that, because he's already sort of like a negatively seen character. He's you know comes from Durmstrang. His yeah. headmaster is a former Death Eater. It, it you know makes a little bit more sense to say like, oh man, he's the one who went bad and attacked another student. But like Cedric doing so doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, and you would think that Moody would have. You know what I'm talking about. You, you would think mm -hmm. that he would have seen um, Cedric and uh, Crumb fighting and Harry, like, intervening and saving Diggory, you know? Yeah. That was his one slip-up right at the end. He must have just been getting too excited. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't get any, like, dirt on his fingers at the end. He wanted to be more important. Right. Uh, I have this, uh, I, one of my favorite like fan theories about Barty Crouch Jr. and when he like broke out of his father's imperious curse mm -hmm. is that during the, because he says in his little like speech at the end um, about yeah, just his like nine page monologue. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was good. But you said it was three chapters. It was the, the whole ending of the book was a monologue. Well, I, I did math on that. Uh, and it's, it's not the whole thing. I just meant that it was like it's so much for it and it's more it's like the last five chapters actually i went because it starts with the death eaters right i just pull up my note right quick okay um but go ahead and say what you were going to say about uh barty escaping from uh, azkaban or from oh the Imperial yeah that Curse. uh that he i think that he truly like broke out of the imperious curse when the vila were dancing at the world cup okay that's that's like this fan theory that the vila were so charming and stuff that like they they got all of the guys and since um mm -hmm. he was imperialist and like in and out of his mind uh probably not even being able to control himself fully like that's the theory is that the vila pulled him out of it and mm -hmm. then when when they stopped dancing and everybody snapped back he was like he had himself back the, that right, snapped right. off the imperious curse and then he saw harry's wand took it and was able to do all the all the dirty yeah, that's a cool idea. I like, I like it. Uh, I don't think it's recognized by J.K. Rowling as legit, yeah. <laughs> but I uh, I think it has to be. Okay. It just makes sense. It fits perfectly. Yeah. And it was uh, when somebody said that, I was like, dude, that's perfect. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why, why couldn't that be it? Um, so, but the uh, we're making it canon here. <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> so I my like small beef that I have with it. I texted Jordan about it last night. Um, 
uh, was that there's just so much monologue in the last bit. And I thought it was the last three chapters, but that was, you know, just me talking out of my ass when I was texting Jordan. It's actually the last five chapters, starting with chapter 33, The Death Eaters, uh, and then ending, obviously, at the end of the book. Uh, it's five chapters, a total of 90 pages, 20 pages of which are monologue. I went and counted them, which is... But from, like, different people at different Yeah, but it's just individual times. monologues, some of which the two kind of overlap a little bit okay. with stuff that we already know, and then... Sorry, but I didn't it's let like you fully present your case before right. I interrupt you. And, and so that's like twenty two point two repeating percent of okay. the last ninety pages, the last five chapters of the book is just monologue, uh, whether it's from one person or another. Um and that's just the problem with having a really complicated like book and then maybe running out of a few pages where you could have played it out instead of just having somebody sit there and tell you what it is that happened, you know? And then even on top of that, I didn't count the pages that we get as always of Harry and Dumbledore going over everything and finding those final answers for the reader to understand. Right. So even that happened outside of the math that I've presented here. <laughs> okay. And so it's just weird to, like in a lot of mystery novels go through the same thing where at the end of it, it's just like a big monologue about, well, he was the killer because of this and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's like reading all the answers at the end of a quiz. Finally, after you've gone through the whole quiz, you know, you just get all the answers. Right. And that's info something that dump, mystery stories. Yeah. An info dump. Exactly. Mystery stories, you know, have that problem a lot. Mm hmm. Uh, that's basically every sort of like detective show that exists or like procedural show like NCIS or whatever. It's just, you know, three episodes of whatever. And then the final episode is basically just a giant explanation of what happened. Yeah. And so like it can just be done a little bit more neatly without having to just have somebody speak for 20 pages. Uh, and then even further, we get our traditional Dumbledore Harry wrap up. So it's just a lot to put at the end of the book. And I think that that probably has to do with what I talked about last week or maybe the week before that I think that this is the most complicated individual book of the series. There's so many things going in and out of this book mm -hmm. in its own story that makes it individually the most complicated one. Okay. Let me let me pose this to you. Do you think that it was a little underwhelming because you already knew all the twists? I mean, no, there's interesting stuff in there, a lot of which I had, you know, small details that I had forgotten about, you know, some of, you know, Voldemort's backstory because he goes into some, you know, family monologuing about how, like, you know, his father left his mother and blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's all you know, very interesting details. Uh, I don't know that that serves the story. Certainly not at this point. It doesn't serve the story to be worth a whole paragraph talking about how his father left his mother. Uh, and so I mean, even if I had, if this sorry. was my first time reading it, I would probably see that and in the moment be like, okay, these are interesting details, but then in reflecting be like, man, that was probably not needed. And is, and there's several little things like that, that there's just too many of the little things, I think, which then puts too much fluff in the monologuing, which I guess is kind of, you know, what helps define it as a monologue. It's funny, some of those little things, the the one example you gave about his uh, father and mother, um, that does matter later. <laughs> so it's just funny that the one... Well, yeah, but not in this book. No, but it matters later. 
And this is Harry's like only interaction with Voldemort, so or one of his few. You know? Yeah, so but if just, this was the first time I was reading this book, I wouldn't recognize that there was a great arc. That's that kind of why I'm saying, like, I wish you were coming back after having reread the books. Like, yeah, but you know it wouldn't I mean? it wouldn't change my opinion about the monologue. The, the amount of Maybe, monologue, yeah, is, uh, is what I meant to say. Like that that detail doesn't make any real contribution towards this book. Which, if this was the first time I was reading this book would be the only book I was going to be concerned about, you know? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be thinking ahead like that to know that that matters. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But I uh, I found, like, the last bit so exciting. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's exciting every time just for me. I mean, I'm listening to it, so I hear the creepy voices and... Mm-hmm. Wormtail's crying in the back. <laughs> He's not like actually crying in the background as Voldemort's monologuing. That would be terrible. <laughs> but the imagery in this book is just so easy for me to follow. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's all it is. It's just, it's so easy for me to follow. It's, I mean, you it's can definitely, fun. you can see the scene very easily. I agree. And, you know, that's cool. And the information that's being doled out is good information that's, I just, that you I don't see have. any other, I mean, I don't know how, how you could have done it more gracefully, like you're saying, you know? I mean, I don't know either. I'm not the yeah, writer, but that's I mean, why I'm but... not really upset by it at all. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a good info dump. I mean, the info matters later too. I feel like it's, it's fun little mm-hmm. stepping stones. This would have been a fun book to, uh, conspiracy, conspiracy theory hit, you know? Yeah. Uh, like who's going to be the defense against the dark arts teacher in the next one? Who's going to, I don't really know what other theories we could come up with. What are they going to do? Like, what did Snape have to do? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we wouldn't have known. So, like, it's just a oh, lot. Oh, what's Hagrid going to go do with uh, Madame Maxime? Is she part giant? <laughs> <laughs> she never admits it. So, yeah, it's just a lot of pages where nothing is happening during the climax of the book. All right. Okay. That's what just that's I mean, that's, you know, I don't have like a major problem with this. It's just a problem that I recognized this time going around. Yeah, I have I guess I just have no problems with it. So I'm trying to see the the problem there. But you've always I, I feel like you just you never really like the info dump explanation. Yeah, because it's just it's just such an easy way to do it, and I don't know what the, you know. I, I can't immediately come up with an example of the better way. Do you like those movies that make you think like Inception <laughs> or uh, what was that movie with where he was on the island and he was the he was the patient the whole time? Oh, uh, uh, he was in two different island movies, right? But was it, is it that one Shutter Island? Yes, I didn't watch that movie. Um, do you like those kinds of movies? Because those those don't have any info dump at the end. They don't have to wrap it up. You know, those just yeah. have. I don't they yeah, make I, you sit around and think about it, and uh, and then have to rewatch it and reintake it. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not I do like that. that kind of stuff. Um, it seems like a nice. I, I mean, a different way to wrap this kind of thing up. Yeah, I think that the the non ending sometimes is weak as well. Um, you just don't want the good times to end. <laughs> That's the real problem is that it's ending. I mean, possibly. I mean, I could believe that for some <laughs> things for sure. Uh, but uh, I mean, some of the non-ends are really good. I like the non-end in Inception uh, because, I mean, I, I I think that it's really easy to answer the question of, of Inception is, is he still in the dream or not at the end there? 
He's def- I, I think he's pretty thing. definitively not in the dream. Well, I thought they spun the his totem and it never fell. Well, it falters at one point. And then the other thing is is that that's not his totem. Oh. That's, that's, a, a good that's his dead wife's totem. Yeah, but then so he, he doesn't kept actually know it, it at all anyways. Totem? I mean, yeah, and that's part of what makes it murky as well is because has he ever been in the dream or is he always in the dream? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like, then it, because then the whole thing kind of gets thrown out that, you know, you don't know how long he's been using it, if he has been using it. He really can't be using it because he didn't even acquire it in real life. He acquired it in it. I mean, there's so many different things, right? But I think Harry's that a Horcrux. following the rules <laughs> that have been laid out by this movie that we are given whether or not the movie is following them itself or not like we've been given rules with this movie right and we know them Mm -hmm. and by the rules he's not in the dream going off of what that top does if it was if it was you know perfect and it never even faltered then i would be more willing to believe that maybe he's still in the dream but for it to falter means that it's going to fall at some point. But it was never his totem in the first place, like you said. Yeah. So there's, yeah, he's pretty definitively not in the dream at the end. Uh, but it is vague enough for a discussion to happen and for some people to be wrong, <laughs> which is also fine. Uh, and so I, I like that one. But there are other mm-hmm. ones. I'm trying to think of a good example of the non-end that I think is really weak. Um, I'm trying to think of a really good wrap up that didn't have to explain everything that was like a solid story that wasn't just fun action story you know like mm-hmm. i can I, the x-men the origin one with um I think mm, the only origin one that had was wolverine i'm thinking of xavier and magneto oh first, first class, class. Yeah. that one was bad yeah that was a really cool one i like that a lot I think that the next one ended up not being as good, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And then the third one that came out was, you know, kind of universally panned. Yeah. But those don't have to have a big <clears throat> a big uh, wrap-up or anything. Yeah, dumb action movies never have to. One of the, the best action movies of all time, and probably, I think it's probably the best action movie of all time, in my opinion, is uh, Mad Max Fury Road, the most recent Mad Max movie. There's basically no story in it. And there's absolutely no wrap up, and it's I'm, just spectacular. I've never seen Mad Max, dude. It's cool. It, it's the best action movie I've ever seen. Cool. Okay. You should absolutely watch it. We might have it in the the digital library in our our shared movie library that we use. You guys might be getting a Mad Max podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <A little laughs> a- if Jordan gets real amped up about it, <laughs> a little extra Mad Max. Yeah, if it's freaking dope. Yeah. I'm watching but it like six case, times yeah. before next right. week. Yeah, the, yeah the, the info dump I rarely like. Um, I guess that there could be a decent one somehow, but there's just so many things that needed to be revealed that didn't get revealed until the info dump in this book. And I find that to be a little weak sometimes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I had a feeling that it might have been a little just underwhelming because we had already semi-discussed some of the things that we had found so... Mm-hmm. Um, so cool like uh barty crouch jr just being so badass the whole time also the timing of the apologies potion like how did i guess i guess that uh when they were like meeting him for the last time when they were switching him out for his mom his mom could have had like enough apologies potion on her and the dementors are are blind yeah that's the one of the one things that i kind of found a little hard to she wrap must my have head taken around poison or just like been like, so close to death that, yeah like, the sadness she had to the have dementors. known like he says yeah she knew that she was close to death but how close does she know she is to death like a day 
Yeah, like she's just like, month. I'm going to make it long <laughs> enough to do this thing for my son and then die. Yeah. Like some people know that on their deathbed, like they can stay just long enough for like to see their the Yeah, last you hear person. stories about that. But then you yeah. also hear about like, oh, I just missed him. Yeah. So who knows if there's anything yeah. to that. <laughs> right. Yeah, that that one, that's one detail of the, you know, the reveal that's sort of like, eh. Did you though? I mean, <laughs> yeah. What, what's the deal with the 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 apparitions coming out of the wand too? Like those aren't are they are they pulling the souls out of the afterlife and forcing them back the way into that the- Dumbledore tries to explain <laughs> it is because he says that he doesn't exactly know what they are either, but they couldn't have been. He calls them echoes that they couldn't oh. have been more than like an echo of the person, a bit of the personality still there. God, that's so creepy that's like that black mirror episode where that lady has her husband like oh, i have no idea on, i haven't oh, seen any black mirror dude there's this really creepy episode where this lady she has her husband is pretty active on social media this is like mm-hmm. 20 years in the future i think too and he had been so active on social media that when he passed i, th- I think it was a fiance it didn't really matter they were so in love that she signed up for this like surrogate thing where she was kind of texting okay. a thing and it was learning all of like it took all of his old passwords and info and stuff on social medias and their texts and oh, stuff and, like and it took his him. personality okay. yeah. yeah and then it was a robot like that was him and mm-hmm. she, i think she was also pregnant with his kid when he died so like okay it was really weird because this girl had like a dad that wasn't aging that was a cyborg that, <laughs> <laughs> that had the personality of her dad that was just basically an echo so that that's right. the only reason it's creepy. It was obviously not creepy in the moment. It, it was a very good help to her, a very good help. I'm really good at talking. It was a it was a you know very it, it was exactly what thank you yeah. thank you. It's exactly what he needed to get through. Mm-hmm. And I like that when Fox would kind of sing little notes and stuff when Harry was telling his story at the end to Dumbledore oh, or yeah. right before that like, he was like, "That's all I needed to hear." Yeah, and then I could tell my tale. Right. <laughs> Yeah, Fox is cool. Fox oh. is one of my favorite parts of the entire series. Yeah, he's. I had forgotten that it was him that provided the tail feathers for both Harry and Voldemort's wand. I had totally forgotten that little bit. Yeah, the only two he ever gave for, yeah. for a wand. Now, how do you get a phoenix feather in a wand? I guess they just stuff it like if. The, this was the point of the wand that came from the bird and the feathers like went out like that. Gotcha. I guess you just stuff that into the wand and the plumage kind of just like folds in on itself. Okay. That'd be my bet. It sounds like, yeah. And that makes the, the plumage side out towards the point side maybe. I mm-hmm. guess depending on how you build the wand obviously though. And then so then like the plumage side is the one that you're aiming with. And maybe that's more effective somehow. I don't know. I was kind of thinking that he would take the, the wand wood and the feather and he'd put them on each other and he'd just kind of like shake it. <laughs> it would just like they'd absorb into each other. Right. There's definitely some sort. Yeah. Because the, everybody's wand doesn't look like it has a hole at the end of it or anything no. like that. You no. Know? They don't look like there's like, I mean, it says Although, core. It's a core of whatever, you know, it yeah. says like that's the center. But So it's kind of, it's sealed in there somehow if it's magic. I, I like to imagine like how um, I mean it's probably not like all of it goes out there and just starts like singing, but I like that the way that the elves in Aragon yeah. uh, create things, they sing them out of trees or whatever, mm-hmm. and so I like to imagine that there's some element of that maybe in the making where there's just a, a, some sort of spell uh, casting that 
has them grow into each other and it takes like i don't know a week or something like that Mm, i didn't even for some reason i didn't imagine time being a an important element Mm. but that could that could make all the difference what if all you have to do is just like you carve like a really pretty wand out of uh out of whatever tree you know mm-hmm. that you find that's good wand wood, and then you just put it in a box with the with the core, the magical core, and that's it. You leave them in there for, you leave them in there for a week, and then it's hang like out for a week. And- well, it's the wand making box. <laughs> oh yeah, that's how you start mass producing is you make a box that can do the reaction, and then you just put it in there as opposed to then having to cast a spell every time yourself and blah blah blah. Bing bang so, boom. That's how you start getting Walmart wands. Does Walmart sell wands? <laughs> I, well, I think, that was like I, the no, Walmart I'm, equivalent. I no, mean. I know. I was thinking I was thinking that they sell wands, though, for real. <laughs> they probably do. They probably do, think. like in their costume section, yeah. at least. But no, I, yeah, I know, I know what you mean, the, co- the, the Walmart equivalent of wands. You can buy like a 10-pack. <laughs> yeah. That's like the quality of wands at home, like that meme, you know. The what? Mom, can we get a wand? We we have wands at home. Wands at home. It's like always like a cheap, shitty version of it. You haven't seen that meme? Mm-mm. It's like a play on like, oh man, I, why can't like we get DiGiorno? And mom's like, we have DiGiorno at home, but then DiGiorno at home is just like the Totino's pizza. Like just like, <laughs> the, like a really shitty like you know, version you. of it. It's like, we no, already I've have that, that, but what's at home sucks. And that's why uh, you want the, the name yeah. brand one. You know? No, I've never seen that. It's a hot meme. Ooh. Yeah. Actually, it might not even be that hot. I'm always late to that sort of stuff. I'm not like a prolific internet person anymore. Anyways. <laughs> I did like that uh, Mimi sent me of Harry Potter the other day. Or maybe it was, what it was like a strip. I think it's in our text chain. Do you have any uh do you have any fancy notes that you wanted to talk about? The only other note that I remember, because I only took that one note because it re- involved math. Uh, but uh, the only other thing that I successfully just remembered in my head was that the the most British thing ever said in this entire series is at the end of the fourth movie when they're like everybody's leaving right it's the end of yeah. the school year and all the foreign exchange students are leaving and they're all like oh my god blah, blah, blah. and everybody's mm-hmm. like hugging is like oh, I can't wait to see you next year baby and Hags. then Hermione's like Oh man, everything's about to change, isn't it? And Harry just walks up to her, looks at her for like half a second, and goes, "Yeah, it's going to change." But you know, <laughs> it's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> just That's it. So fucking British. It's the most British part of the entire series, book and movie. It's ridiculous. And then they're all just like, "Yeah, you're right, Harry. It's going to be okay. <laughs> It'll be okay. We'll get by." That was Hagrid in this one. Hagrid has that moment in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And then they oversimplify it to the last scene of the movie. Yeah. I love that scene in the uh, in the book. That scene is super funny because it's just they're all there and Hagrid's like, are you all right, Harry? And he's like, yeah, of course you're not. <laughs> it's just like, what you even? <laughs> he should have just been like, I know you should have just not asked that. You could have just said the thing you're going to say to cheer him up. Right. It's just funny. And I, and I love his voice for Hagrid. That's as close as I can get to it. Oh but. yeah. Have you watched? Did you watch the movie? Did you no, watch any of the movies? Come I on, man. Watched <laughs> any of them? I'm just I'm such a purist. Movie no, Hagrid is so good too. I mean, all movie everybody is so good, but movie Hagrid's one of the more reliable things to smile at. Yeah. Does he play a big role in uh, in all the movies? 
he's always there. Yeah. We never get a movie without him at least hanging out for a second. Yeah, same with McGonagall. So far, he's had a pretty big role in each one. Yeah. Um, But we didn't get a lot of the stuff. His role was cut down a little bit in the movie Mm -hmm. for this one, for Goblet of Fire. Uh, but he's still there. Like he sh- he does he does reveal the dragons to Harry. Um, we do see the you know the comedy of him and Madame Maxine kind of getting together. Like oh, mm-hmm. Hagrid found somebody. Uh, they don't have the fight yeah. in the movie. They don't. How amazing would it be to be like a recurring character in this series, like Neville? Like you you have a you have like a scene in every movie. Yeah. I bet he got paid pretty well, right? For being well, like, like not a huge name, like you, one you're of saying. The, um, big things that people talk about sometimes in r slash Harry Potter is how little screen time Tom Felton has. Oh, for yeah. being Harry's biggest rival, he only actually has like twenty three minutes of screen time or something throughout the entire movie franchise. Wow. It's eight movies, <laughs> but he has to keep that platinum bleached blonde hair throughout the whole his whole life through that. And he's probably on set as often as anybody else is, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. They just cut him out of the film so much. <laughs> I bet he is so much fun, too. Like, I bet they all loved hanging out with him. Oh, yeah. Him and Daniel Radcliffe are like great friends, apparently. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. Apparently, the apparently two- the, the lot of them are still like really great friends, but apparently like Harry and Draco actually really get along. Yeah. Yeah, I always heard that him and the like Daniel Radcliffe and that the guy that plays Dudley got along really well too. It seems like Daniel Radcliffe probably gets along with everybody, but right, yeah, he seems like a pretty, you know, uh, cool guy. Whatever, I don't know what word I was looking for there. Dude, he's like ripped too. Cool. I don't know. Anytime I see photos of him with his shirt off, he's got like a six pack. I'm like, damn, Harry's ripped. Oh wow. Didn't you get naked on stage for a play? Yeah, my Echoes. mom saw it. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, mom and Brianna and Aunt Sarah. I feel like I remember knowing that actually yeah. now. Because I feel like I remember Brianna talking about it. Yeah, she definitely she's also, talked she's, about she's it. She's a huge fucking Harry Potter nerd. Yeah, right? she so, loves Daniel Radcliffe, too. Yeah. She actually took me to go see the Goblet of Fire movie in theaters whenever it came out. Nostalgia. Yeah. Bring it and see. It's a throwback look, memory. Look at this, man. thought about that when I was watching the movie. I was like, ah. That's right. I went and saw this with Brianna one time. Gross. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if she watches these anymore. Hmm. Not to ask her. Yeah, I need to watch them, man. You're right. I need to watch. I need to just Harry Potter marathon. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, they're so good. Well, they're like I mean, I said the same exact second fucking thing last week. They're so good is not the right word. They're extremely enjoyable. So good. <laughs> the first couple of movies are, from an objective standpoint, not that great. Dude, this section was perfect for this time of year too, because it's the spookiest section of the book. Because mm-hmm. it was like the maze with all the, literally all the scary monsters at night in like a dude. How they watch every single, every single trial except for the first one is so stupid. Yeah, they can't I was see anything, about that. I was and they like, can't if it's, judge anything. Because the way that it is described to, in the book, I feel like, is that it, the maze is entirely in the Quidditch pitch, right? Yes. So the, the crowd is up in the stands, presumably. That's what I was thinking. So they should be able to see down into the hedges, right? Apparently it's covered. But then they have to shoot up the sparks to actually get help, mm-hmm. and there's 
no one that steps in whenever Crumb starts attacking Cedric or anything like that. So evidently they can't see everything the whole time. Yeah, and they couldn't see everything in the second task. So you think they would have thought about that a lot and been like, man, this sucks that we had to ask the mer people what happened so that we could score everyone. Right. Like what were they just... It is. I mean, really... I know the rules for this one where the first one to get to the cup wins. So yeah. that's... Doesn't matter how you do it. Is the first one there wins? But yeah. You you'd think you'd want to see it. Right. It's just like it it's just really they bizarre. get to. Yeah, I mean nobody's ever gonna hear what Cedric had to do to get through. Right. Nobody's I, ever gonna know. I that, can't imagine being Ron and being like, "Yeah, Harry, I'll go watch you." And which is just, I'll go watch you enter the maze, and then I'll sit here for five hours. And yeah, wait until somebody comes back out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that Ooh, would be... red sparks. Ooh, what <laughs> right? happened? Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. It, from like a, as an event standpoint, it makes no sense at all. Yeah, it's really. <sighs> as a challenge standpoint, cool. These are cool challenges. It's but definitely as, not to safe. To be like an event makes no sense. Yeah, this is, they were not taking any safety precautions that they that they were telling everyone that they were doing. Like, we took so many safety precautions this year. It's like, no, you I didn't. I thought about that in the, the when they first talk about the Triwizard Tournament in the book, and they talk about the, somebody says, don't worry, they took, they're, they're taking a lot of precautions this year. There's like, no, like a guarantee that no one will die or something like that. And I was like, you can't guarantee that. Yeah. That's well, like I, impossible. Dumbledore was saying because the death count was getting so high. With the other, ta- like the other, mm-hmm. that's why hundreds like, of years ago yeah, when it last happened. That's why they've taken so many precautions. Like it'll be right. safe this year. Yeah, I think that we're like, gonna have them all go the official dragons. statements are kind of like using that vague, not vague, but they're using open-ended words, like for like when Dumbledore says it or like when Barty Crouch does says it. But it's like. Like Arthur says something about it or something like that. He's like, oh, yeah, they're, they're taking a lot of precautions and there's not going to be any deaths. Like there can't be or something like that. You know, like he says something a little bit more mm-hmm. definitive and it might not even be Arthur Weasley. It might be somebody totally different. But and, but the, whenever I read that, I was like, but you can't guarantee that. Yeah. It's like no way that that could be possibly guaranteed unless you just make this like a water polo competition. Sounds like <laughs> a Ludo Bagman thing to say. That must have been what it was. It's probably yeah. Ludo Bagman. Like, oh, come on, Barty. It's all safe. Sorry, I have to do his voice because that's the only way I know him. He's like, come (laughs) on, Barty. It's like, it's safe. Uh, Yeah, now that I think about it, the the safest task was the first one. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Because they had people there, like, to protect them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the, the only one that could protect anybody was doing all the crimes. The Mad Eye, you know, with his, mm-hmm. he's the only one that could see through the ma- the the, what is it? The, the haze. <laughs> I kept trying to fuse hedge and maze. So I kept saying haze, and I was like, that's not it. <laughs> but it's close. Yeah, the yeah the hedge maze. Yeah, yeah. It's peculiar to think about that. That you know that was thought of as okay, but again, how whimsical is the wizarding world? Oh, they're yeah. so goofy. They can't make good decisions. <laughs> why didn't Why didn't Moody? Go talk to Neville again. Like, hey, how'd you like that book that I gave you? Yeah, I guess he was trying to be as cautious as possible. Like, he didn't want to make but any dumb. sort of hint. Yeah, I'm Neville wouldn't have picked up on that, <laughs> yeah. probably. Hmm. Yeah, Neville wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Professor Moody told me to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> 
You think he could have ordered it from like a magazine too, instead of stealing it from Snape's office? Yeah, I often think about how does anybody get anything without having to go to the store in the Wizarding World? Yeah, and at some point, I think maybe even last book. We hear Molly say something about how she ordered something from a catalog or something mm-hmm. like that. But what is that process? Do well, you, Harry like, has to order something from which broomstick? That's what... Uh, yeah. Mm, man, I can't remember his name now. Oliver Wood. Thank suggests. you. That's, yeah. Which broomstick? Yeah. But is there then... I mean, I guess I could just think about how the catalog system worked back in the 90s. Cause People did do that. Yeah, that was like a big deal. You'd uh, at least for you get the J.C. Penney catalog every year for Christmas. And circle and you what could you go want. And circle all the toys, and you know. So I guess that's how it was. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know why how, I was getting confused for a that's second. How like, it I was. literally lived it. That's how it, it was back then, dude. It. That's why we're going through nostalgia. They're forcing mm-hmm. us to live in a simpler time. Right. Do you think? So do you take like? out of subscription for those catalogs yeah or do they just throw those things out there because i feel like that would be the smart thing to do as the company would be to just have them given out to free for free to the american public and because then they use it to buy your thing it seems weird to buy something that allows you to buy a thing like you're double buying there i think you would take out a subscription to which broomstick uh, to learn about the brooms, like I think that would be interesting if you were like a okay, because I feel sense. like they bring like that had up actual a lot. like educational and opinions mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, because like Ron yeah. talks about it and all the time because he because he uh, he fantasizes about <laughs> which broomstick mm-hmm. and because uh, when when uh, they bring it up that uh, the the Nimbus hasn't got anything on like the firebolts, like tailspin or whatever it is. Tailspin, no, that's right, obviously yeah. not what it, was. it is, but uh, whatever it is. And yeah. then Malfoy's like, you, what, How would you know, Weasley? You couldn't uh, afford like a whatever. It's just, I don't know. It's just funny because Ron knew this stat about a firebolt and he said that like the Nimbus usually will do this after a few years. And so, yeah. And I know there's a bunch of different clubs that they never talk about because it's like all the dorky clubs. That Harry would never, Harry would never be associated right, he's with. He's cool. too busy being a jock. There's probably like an arithmetic club, and they just do like yeah. There's a Gobstones club. Oh yeah, the Gobstones club. There's got to be that. a chess club. Definitely a chess club. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like there's definitely like a class club for each one, like a charms club, a potions club, defense against it. There. How is there not all of those clubs? Yeah. But then you'd never hear them going like, "Well, I'm going to go to potions club." Right, I yeah, guess the Snape's the Harry, Ron, the and Hermione don't club. join anything except for Harry playing Quidditch. That's the only extracurricular that Ooh, any of them do. Hermione founds uh, Spew, so yeah, so that's not like a school um, financed club, though, or sponsored club. That's yeah, just and she she. Does. Uh, she didn't ask Umbridge, I don't think, in the next book about it. So definitely no spew meetings, Hermione. <laughs> the yeah. whole spew bit of this book is really odd because, like, you know, by actual standards, yes, slavery is very bad. By the standards that are painted in this book, it's extremely situational and very, like, case by case, it almost seems like. Yeah, dude, it's so... Because, like, the house elves at Hogwarts are, like, 
the, the way that they're depicted, obviously they're not real people that we can go actually ask questions for, <laughs> for sure. but the way that they are depicted uh, by several get- accounts of characters, different characters in this book. And then the viewpoint that we actually see as the reader, they fucking love doing nothing but working at Hogwarts. They're like way crazy into it. It makes them like literally joyous to be doing what they're doing every single day. Like the Oompa Loompas? Yeah. So the the way that they're depicted makes it seem like it's very case by case. Obviously, Dobby was in a very terrible situation that he d- deserved freedom from. Uh, the Oompa Loompa Dobby? <laughs> <laughs> so it seems to be like really case by case. I don't know. It's odd. It's a weirdly odd thing to try and tackle in this book series. It's so weird because Hermione, I think she sees it as this whole entire society, like this, this entire race has been like psychologically she believes beaten them to be down. Brainwashed and, yeah, yeah. They're all like psychologically brainwashed because and it's not like it's not like their magic is is only because they serve like it's not like they get juiced up by like doing chores and then they can perform more magic right. it's, it's not, not like they need to do way. it yeah. yeah so they could live their own elf lives with elf families and have like elf like how do elves yeah. breed like how cuz they always talk about like like uh, Wiggy talks about how her mom yes. worked for the Crouch family and her mom worked for the Crouch family like did, it went like, back a few generations did like Dobby's dad go visit <laughs> and that's how they right, knew yeah it, it, Malfoy. <laughs> it's sort of like the way that that said leads you to believe that like there's either some sort of like you know pure blood house elf family like breeding circle thing that happens or that they do have some level of personal life maybe they just because house elves only are in like large manners and stuff maybe they only like appear after like the house is built and then like the house elf is like the spirit of the house like bound to it it's like a household god but but they leave the house obviously but they become bound to like the family and the that would be so weird if they were like just because the weasleys like that would explain their situation a bit more elegantly than just like they were mad about it nobody ever does anything about it they were a race (laughs) that somehow found out they love to serve humans and now they're doing it yeah, like, do you just go pick one out of the wild? Was there an initial subjugation, or has it just always been this way somehow? Or uh, yeah. just the wild elves? They, uh, they like whenever somebody builds a new large manor as a wizard, like they go check it out and they're like, "Oh, I yeah. could live here." And then yeah, they, then like, they oh, become, fuck yeah, I would love to clean that bitch. A wild elf becomes a house elf at that right. point. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's an extremely odd thing to tackle with as much time dedicated to the situation as we get. Yeah. Without there ever being any resolution or even like a change of anybody's heart. <laughs> right. The only way Hermione could actually could be wrong. Sorry. Hermione's right. For sure. Like in. Yeah. From all human standards. Absolutely. Exactly. She's the correct person here. Unless it's the thing we said, like they are created because of the family moving into this house and like becoming like an estate. Yeah. Like, their actual magical born purpose is to do this thing yeah and like they be yeah exactly gives them personal genuine fulfillment yeah like it's a lottery or whatever like a random lottery like because even dobby is like i'm so glad that i'm free and i am happy to have the very small salary and 
what does he get like two days off a month or something like that? Like yeah, he, something like, like that. Dumbledore wanted to give him a lot weekends more. off and ten gallons and, and a week. Dobby was like, but I don't know what the fuck I want to do with all that. I am with so that glad to be working. Like he loves to be working still. So I don't know, but he's he's like so ready to have been free, and he you know starts talking shit about the Malfoys here and there, and feels good about that. But then he's still like, but I don't want fucking weekends off. Holy shit, dude, are you kidding me? I want to work. <laughs> it's interesting. I wonder if Dobby had lived longer, if if like he would have moved in with Harry and he would have like found a because like he he likes or... making clothes for Harry. Like he does yeah. that in his free time, mm-hmm. and I think he he just so like worships Harry. <laughs> I think he travels on his weekends. Like he made it seem like he traveled. Yeah. Like in my mind, I'm imagining Dobby going to like the beach and drinking like butter beer and surfing and stuff, and then like <laughs> right, coming back. And like, and then and then literally with his little elf hands and and two needles, like actually knitting, like not using magic, like knitting socks for Harry. Yeah. God, and freaking Padma Patil is so right about that eye being creepy. Like I imagine that oh, yeah, Moody that. is actually asexual. <laughs> like he is not. He is like Moody can't be just. He is so. He's not even a man anymore. Of all anymore. other humans. That like There's that's no the only that reason the eye is okay because yeah. he's not sexualizing it at all. But like, oh yeah, he doesn't look at any Dumbledore. other human as more than a threat. Exactly. So that's <laughs> or why a potential threat. Yeah, that's why Dumbledore is like, all right, I guess you can wear the eye. I liked how in the faux glass, um, like they kind of planted this thing. Uh, Moody said he he said I don't have to worry until I can see the whites of their eyes, mm-hmm. and then right as. The three, uh, the three musketeers, um, Snape, Snape McGonagall, and Dumbledore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah as the they three came that to always s- come to the rescue. <laughs> Dude, they are the the the. That's it's the best so trio I can think like, of. <laughs> just shits on Sprout and Flitwick. That as house heads, they are never invited to the party. It's so funny too because <laughs> I feel like like McGonagall's head or like deputy headmistress. So yeah, it makes sense that she's always wherever Dumbledore's going to be whenever something big is going down, right? But Snape just shows up because he's like the guy that he's we have snoopy. to always be like being angry about, like what the yeah. fuck are you doing here, you know? But then like we don't give a shit about Flitwick or Sprout enough to have them join the party. Ever. They're taking care of the rest of the students. Okay, but they get the prefix to they get the prefix to do so much more in the first two books than they ever do ever again. The prefix are like constantly being used to keep eyes on like the houses and stuff like that. And I think they reference like we have we have prefect duties, but like they, they don't ever say do what they are. Again, like yeah. I, well, I think that they say like, well, Harry, we have to go. Like Ron and I have prefect duties, and they have to go do them. Like I yeah, but they don't ever tell us what they are. I think it's just like that's when Harry's like, oh, I got to figure out who I am on my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot that Ron and Hermione become prefects. I was <coughs> thinking about that at some point in this book. I was like, man, the prefects just never matter again, do they? Except for like, well, no, no, because Percy's gone now. So we don't even have the annoying one there <laughs> to be annoying about it. Like nobody gives a shit about the prefects except that Cedric has like access to the bathroom. Yeah. The only three prefects we know are Cedric, Percy, and Percy's girlfriend, uh, Penelope Clearwater. Yeah. She is a Ravenclaw. Yeah, she is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, uh, the, I like how. Like who are the prefects of any of the houses right now? Hmm. Okay. No, he's Quidditch captain. I mean, Cedric's probably still prefect. He's probably well, he's, head boy he's, too. Yeah. He's well. He's a sixth year this year, or is he a seventh year? Seventh year, year okay, breath, seventeen. Seven. Man, oh, I thought you turned seventh because Fred and George are only a few days away from their seventeenth and their sixth years, aren't they? Yeah. 
but they're only a few days away from their 17th. Yeah. And they could be like a late birthday or something like mm-hmm. that. I think so. I think you could be 17 a lot of your sixth year. I don't know. I mean, we, yeah, kind of like, well, like how you can be we, 18 your senior year of yeah, high like school, David like the whole year. Yeah, the entire year. Yeah, Reed, Zeph. Yeah. Blaze Dakota. I would have thought, I mean. Shout I, out. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I thought, man, I, I didn't think that it was Cedric's seventh year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and the, the first the, time that we see him is the Quidditch match, right? And book two. Yeah. He's the other seeker. He's already a prefect at that point, I think. Yes, because Hermione has respect for him. She's like, he's a prefect. Yeah. And then Ron's like, you only like him because he's so handsome. So you can only become a prefect starting in fifth year, right? Yes. So he would have been a fifth year then, and that was in book two. So then, yeah, he would Yeah, he would be a seventh year this one. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, well, I guess he, he could have been a sixth year, I guess, but I'm pretty sure he's a seventh year. I know Angela, wait, is that her name? Angelina Johnson. Thank you. And not Angela like Johnson. Chaser. Angela. Angela Johnson. Oh, Angela Johnson. No, Angelina Johnson. You're right. Oh, was okay. Yeah, I, I was wrong. <laughs> I just, like, I kept saying Angela, and I was like, why am I close, but not right? Um, Angelina Johnson. She she puts her name in, but I, but she becomes yeah. cap, Quidditch captain next year. So yeah. she's sixth year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she... So Cedric could have yeah, been sixth year. Yeah, she, like, has her birthday the night before the deadline. Because in the book, they only have, like, one day to put their names in. Like, they have the banquet saying, like, okay, everybody that wants to do it, do it. And then after tomorrow night, we'll reveal everything. Mm-hmm. And, like, her birthday just happens to be the night before or something mm-hmm. like that. So she can get in on it. That's funny. She would have been a good one for Hogwarts, I think. Yeah. Like, if Harry didn't go. Like, if the book was well, just completely Cedric different. <laughs> well, no, if the book was completely different and they didn't have Harry in there, I bet... Well, it would have still been Cedric. No. <laughs> they, it would have been a Gryffindor because they were going to get their Gryffindor already because Harry got picked. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but I, I always imagine like it's got to be a Gryffindor that wins like the the Goblet of Fire thing and then it's Cedric and I was like, oh, well, we get our Gryffindor. <laughs> As you just always looked at it that way. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, it's really... Like the first couple of times reading through the book, I never really picked up on this or didn't maybe I didn't see it the same way, at least it how much of a real tragedy it actually is that Cedric dies, because aside from it just being like sad that like a kid dies, right? Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, that's in and of itself, the nature of that is tragedy. But it's uh, such a awful thing. uh, To I think to the reader and to the character of this book, because it is becoming more and more obvious as the book goes on that Cedric and Harry were going to be like super great fucking friends. Mm-hmm. And then he dies. And so they can't end up having what that could have been, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if Harry ever sees, I mean, I'm sure he probably does see it that way. I don't know if we ever see him see it that way, but I think that, uh, that's just something that I kind of, uh, saw this time going mm-hmm. through it. Yeah. Really I think they would have been, yeah, they could have been close. They would have always had, you know, that. that. Yeah. And then there's so many instances throughout this whole book of them seeing each other being fair and helping each other mm-hmm. out and being really good and being able to continually rely on each other to do that same thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think really sort of like sells each other on each other. And uh, it, it, it maybe I'm reading into it, obviously, uh, is a, also a possibility. But it seems like that it was becoming pretty evident that they would end up being like extremely good friends. 
And then I, though, I guess Cedric probably would have, you know, graduated that year. Like we just figured it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then knowing where everything else goes, like he probably would have been like in the order. We probably would have hung out with him a lot and, you know, so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Cedric would have been good. And then we would have gotten more Robin Pattinson in the movies. And that is also in of itself another facet of the tragedy that Cedric died. That's why they uh, killed him off. It, was, it would have been too good. You would have <laughs> after, stole the show from Daniel Radcliffe. After casting, they were like, oh, crap. We can't he's go. too good. Yeah, he's too good. He's stealing the show. We're all in love. Right. Oh, I. this this isn't really like super important for this book, but I think that it's cool that uh, McGonagall is kind of like the Raven, like a Ravenclaw. It shows like a lot of characteristics of a Ravenclaw, but she's she's like Hermione, you know, and then and then Flitwick is he shows a lot of characteristics of being like a Gryffindor, but is you know the Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I really like that, and it becomes evident in later books. But uh, just when we were talking about them earlier, I just I th- it I always think about that, like those two in particular, how they're. I don't know. They're kind of mirrors of each other. They, it's funny too because McGonagall's like a tall, powerful woman, and he's like a little guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just they're they're like opposites, but they're. I feel like they're intertwined somehow in this. Like they're kind of the same character, but I don't know. I feel like they they have a lot of similarities, and maybe we, maybe I just wish we had more Flitwick time. <laughs> Because he seems yeah. like he would have been a good teacher. I always like it, anytime that there is an interaction with Flitwick. Flitwick, um, I like them. Yeah, I think that he he's really quippy, mm-hmm. and his attitude makes me laugh. Um, I do appreciate the bits of him that we do get, and it's a shame that we don't get more. Um, I mean, it's, you know, relatively obviously why we don't get more because we're not in Ravenclaw in the books. He's not a dwarf, right? No, he's just, he's just little. described as a little man. Yeah. <laughs> He's an LP. He's not nearly, uh, I didn't interpret him to be nearly as tiny as he is in the movies. Yeah, where he's, he's not, like literally like a hobbit. Yeah, he's not an LP in he's the like movie. A, he's a. He's like a, like a troll. Well, not like a troll like in, in the Harry Potter. Troll universe, but like in a, the dungeon. Like, like the trolls with the funny hair that you used to get as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's he's like. That's exactly what it is. Substantially smaller than any other sort of thing that you could identify but we're supposed to believe that he's still like a human in the movies but he's yeah. like insanely small in the movies and i think they overplay it for the com- the comedic effect of it but the book makes it seem like he's just a small man you know yeah like how Hagrid, Hagrid could, describes his dad <laughs> i was gonna say Hagrid got caught on the well everyone thought that he something happened like he got caught on the bad end of an engorgement charm or like he swallowed a yeah. bottle of skeletro <laughs> just like the opposite is what they thought for flitwick right yeah Little did we know, he's his dad's actually a dwarf. Mm. You know, Flitwick and Sprout had a thing going on for a while. Really? Yeah, there was a. It was revealed in like the second book, I think. It really? Was, yeah. For some reason, I don't remember the circumstance in which they were talking about it, but someone was talking about it. Oh no! I remember what it is now. Um, it was whenever I was reading, um, because I have those first two uh, of the first two books, mm-hmm. uh, the Ravenclaw editions from the 10th year in, or the 20th anniversary reprints or whatever anniversary it was that I bought um, that I had to import from England. Uh, in those, because the Ravenclaw editions, they have a bunch of just additional information and just bullshit about Ravenclaw. Mm. And in there, 
Rowling writes about how Flitwick, the Ravenclaw uh, househead, uh, was at one point in a relationship with Professor Sprout, who was mm-hmm. a Hufflepuff house, but it didn't work out after a while, and they just let it be. And now they're just good friends. Awkward. And I pulled that out of that, not the book. Never mind. That's not something you would wow. know. <laughs> I, was, I was sitting here like, man, how did I miss that? Yeah, I was relatively surprised that you would have missed it too, because that's the exact sort of thing that you would love to know. <laughs> <laughs> now I want all those secret copies of the books. I have to get the ex- Gryffindor editions and see what those tell you. I get the Cedric Diggory editions. Because you're Gryffindor, aren't you? Uh, I think I took a test in. Didn't you take the Pottermore uh, quiz? Mm, I, I don't know, man. I've taken the official I've one. I've taken the Pottermore them. quiz. You have to take that one. I'll take it again. See what I am. None of those like fucking BuzzFeed bullshit quizzes. <laughs> Yeah, because those you could just manipulate and be whatever you wanted. <laughs> those are like, what's your favorite animal? A lion, a snake, a badger, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or a falcon? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> which house do I want to be in? Is what you're asking. Yeah, me. thank you. Do you sometimes feel brave, smart, <laughs> or like you know, this that's the stupidest, shit. or selfish, <laughs> or or caring? I have to take the Pottermore one. Okay, it's I'll the take the Pottermore. Result. Here, I'll, t- I'll write that as a note. Take Pottermore quiz. And you can find out your wand information and stuff too, and your Patronus. It's all very lame and very nerdy and very fun. Yeah, my uh, my wand would be applewood with a Quarter unicorn. Bacon. Yeah, that would be yeah. That would be it. <laughs> 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 that would so ah uh, dude i would never get any work done and just be like <laughs> holding the wand and it'd be sizzling that would be awesome the bacon wand it smells good all the time oh jordan's here <laughs> <laughs> it smells like applewood smoked bacon must be jordan yeah i'm only good for like kitchen spells <laughs> i don't i never remember what mine is i always have to log into the website and see uh as far as my wand information goes um, it is Dragon Heartstring. I remember that every time. I think, pretty sure it's Dragon mm. Heartstring. But other than that, I have there's a something about wolf. Dragon Heartstrings. Uh, Dragon Heartstring ones. I think they're very powerful. I don't think you can pass them down. No, because yeah, because Draco has a Dragon Heartstring wand, and Harry can use it. Yeah, because it's because he disarms him or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that, and there's something about dragon heartstring wands. I think that maybe they get stronger the more you use them, like the better you are. Like, mm. I don't know. I uh, can't remember because anymore. Because it's a muscle and you're working it out. That could be it, literally. Damn, dude. dude. Boom. Made it's all so easy. Yeah. How do you I get could the... write Harry Potter. Oh. <laughs> how, do you, uh, how do you get the heartstring out of a dragon? Yeah, that part's... Uh, uh, problematic. Is there one? There's one heartstring. I have. Well, I think that. I also thought it was funny that not... Charlie was wearing dragon skin boots in front of. Or sorry, that uh, it was Charlie, right? No, it was Bill. I think Bill was wearing dragon. Bill's like yeah. really cool. Well, that, but that 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 was the funny thing. Bill was wearing these dragon hide boots in front of his brother, who works with dragons. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it, a little insensitive. But there's. But like dragon hide gloves is standard gear that you get for Hogwarts as well. Yeah, we yeah we established they don't care about animals. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Animal cruelty is basically 
accepted and promoted in the wizarding world. It's yeah. really weird. Did you catch that Hermione caught um, when she Rita caught Skeeter, yeah. Rita? Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually, I guess, because I know that Rita Skeeter is an animagus and mm-hmm. turns into a beetle, it makes it it's extremely obvious that that's the moment that she does mm-hmm. it because it is completely unrelated to anything else that's happening. It's so and, short that I miss it a lot when yeah. I'm listening. It's, so. a, it's a single line. Yeah. <laughs> and it interrupts somebody talking yeah <laughs> it's yeah knowing it it's excessively obvious yeah uh, i don't remember if i picked up on it the first time through but that was also so long ago i, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't tell you for sure uh, I, prob- I, I probably missed it the first time through for sure was there any other i don't think we got any other beetle sightings because we start with the third task, don't we, in our reading section this week? or maybe? No, no, I'm sorry. That's what I started with yesterday when I was reading. I don't know. I think my notes I took like no notes this week. We I felt like I took too many notes last week, and so I overcompensated. <laughs> and took like oh, none. yeah. They started telling them about the third task, and uh, it was... Yeah, it was like they went down to show him the hedges growing. And yeah, and the that's pensive stuff. and Crouch shows up. Mm-hmm. The Madness of Crouch. That was the first mm-hmm. uh, chapter that we read. Yeah. Madness of Mr. Crouch. Yeah. If only Crouch had just talked to Dumbledore that night. So many things avoided. Yeah. Fixed. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it because he just had to keep talking to that tree. Thought it was Weatherby. <laughs> That's so funny, too. Such a subtle slam. <laughs> yeah, no. That's one of the funnier returning parts of the book. For sure, is just how like little he actually recognizes uh, Percy, and how fucking obnoxious Percy is about it. Well, he's dead too, so Percy, uh, Percy just got promoted. Is that how it works? <laughs> <laughs> what well, I can't remember what happens with. Per- oh no, he becomes Fudge's assistant at that point, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, because well, we'll, I think we'll starting find with out. This next it's book about actually, to get real. It? Yeah, yeah, starting with the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, yeah, I guess I only really have like one more sort of thought about just to kind of like wrap up the book as a whole mm-hmm. is um, and it goes back to what we've talked about both episodes already about how this book really just explodes the universe and really uh, lets you see how big Harry Potter is going to be mm-hmm. moving forward and what you can sort of expect moving forward. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you do so, you see potentially some of the seeds that, you know, go somewhere else later on if you're, you know, really perceptive on your first read through. But even if you're not, you just kind of see this world explode and all the characters explode and the relationships between all the characters really flesh out uh, in a unique way in this book. Because like Harry and Hermione spend a shit ton of time together for a while because Ron's mad at Harry for basically the first, you know, third of the book. Yeah. Even a little bit longer, actually, I think. But in any case, uh, and then uh, again, whenever uh, Ron is then mad at Hermione because of all the crumb stuff, whenever he's, you know, doesn't realize that he's jealous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and then obviously you have to assume that there's a lot of time that Hermione just spends with Ron and Harry spends by himself whenever all the, you know, the whenever the fight's happening. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of but then Harry and Ron get back together and the way that they sort of interact from that point on is, you know, a little bit different as well, though, like positively different. Like Ron tries to be a little bit less snarky for a while and stuff like that. Um, and so it's really interesting to see 
all of their relationships develop in sort of like a, not unique ways, but like unique in regards to each other. Like it's not the three of them necessarily growing together every single day. Like it mm-hmm. has been the other books. Like they get time alone in pairs. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, and then it's also maybe one of the reasons that that continues to be one of my favorite books every single time. Um, if not every time that I go through the series is that there's like all these tones and hints about Harry and Hermione getting together, which, okay, as I said last week, I've been in love with Hermione Granger my entire life. Uh, and whenever you're like, I'm reading a book, you can sort of get into the main character. And so you want the main character to get with whoever it is that you like in the right. book, right? Yeah. And that usually, because it's relatively easy for me to fall in love with fictional characters, it's usually whoever the obvious choice is, the one that the book is like presenting a little bit more obviously. Like, oh, of course, she's the main female counterpart of the main character. So that's yeah. the one I choose as well. You know? Okay. I'm a little easy to please when it comes to fictional characters like that. Um, yeah. And I don't ever think of her like that, really. Well, she's, I mean, she's more than that. Right. But she's also the obvious choice. Like from a, from structuring a narrative, it makes the most sense that it's her and Harry. And that's something that even Rowling's come back and said. He's like, yeah, she's, or she said, yeah, I should have put them together actually now that I think about it. Yeah. It's better she um, didn't. It's better she did it the way she did. But I, I see, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. As far as like, it just, like yeah. conventional expectation. She no, would be in, the obvious in choice. real life, Harry and Hermione would have gotten together and Ron would have like had to find somebody else. But like, that's why it's nice for this book. <laughs> right. Because it's like, this is what, you know, should happen for the, this, right. like this group. And so it, it definitely like, when, whenever I was a kid reading it the first time, I remember thinking like, oh, okay, it I can get behind out. that relationship. Yeah, exactly. I like that idea a lot. And then, but then there's a little bit of, some signals between Ron and Hermione as well, obviously, because there's the big fight mm-hmm. that happens the same both in the movie and the book where Hermione says, well, next time, ask me before somebody else does, not as last resort, duh. And the, you can see that the two of them recognize that they're talking to each other about liking each other, but they don't want to admit it. And so I'm like, oh, so there's going to be like a triangle thing that happens. Well, I mean, and then Harry- at the end of the book, Hermione kisses Harry on the cheek, which yeah. is where I pulled it from whenever I was thinking about the first movie I recognized. Yeah. I I don't know. Harry even says it in this one that he's like, Hermione's not my girlfriend. I mean, we're just friends. It We've seems always so obvious to him that it would never be that way. Yeah. Yeah. He never buys in. I, you never get the feeling from him. That's the only thing about Hermione and Ron getting together that's kind of like a disappointment to me is just that it almost feels like Ron feels like he's supposed to pick her. Not that that's wrong or anything, but I feel like. I feel like Ron is just like, I'm supposed to pick this person. You know, like, he, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He, it's not like he ever branches out. And I mean, he flirts with Lavender that one time, but like, yeah, we, that's because he's jealous. Yeah, we really don't see a lot of their romantic relationship develop in a sense that we know that's what's happening because the book's not about them. It's about Harry, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Whereas if it was about Ron, then we'd be in his head and we'd be going through like his, you know, like, oh, you know, it's weird that I feel this way about her, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe she did that. You know, we, we're not getting those internal clues that happen. That we're book. seeing them through Harry's perspective. Yeah. And he's sort of like, 
there's points that I think he recognizes that they like each other. And he's like, well, I mean, okay, just figure that out. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, is exasperated about it or something like that, you know? Um, but yeah. And so it it is a little bit disappointing because they are also two main characters. Mm -hmm. The, you know, the, the stories are almost as much about them as they are about Harry. And so it's a little unsatisfying to not get all of it because Ultimately, you do end up caring about them as much as you do Harry, if not more. Yeah. For some people, I'm sure. Wouldn't have sold seven books as the Ron Weasley story, though. Even though that fits our mold of like the boring main character with the interesting friends, the interesting side characters. Right. That fits the mold. So it seems like it could have worked maybe, but uh, it's good that she chose Harry. Because he's he's basic enough because he was raised by muggles and like we empathize with him being like tortured pretty much like so, yeah, he so never much child abuse. on to anything. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that's that's what's relatable to us is because we don't know anything. So we're right, coming yeah. in and she's able to explain it all. And because if we were following Ron, it, it would have just been like, of course, the uh, uh, splinching. And then it would have moved on to the next thing. It would. Right. Have, yeah, exactly. Or it would have been like, would ever get explained. Oh, uh, splinching when then he would have had to explain it. Too much info dump would have been gross. Right. Had to go with Harry. It would be weird if your character was the one doing all the explaining all the time. Yeah. Because Ron would probably still have to explain that to Harry, or the Weasleys would have to still explain that to Harry. But it's just like some side character getting all the exposition. I don't know if I've ever seen that done narratively. (laughs) Yeah. You and all the other characters are explaining something to some side character, and that's how the exposition happens. (laughs) Yeah, the side character. I've never seen something like that before. No, that wouldn't have sold seven. <laughs> Harry's the only choice. Yeah, has to so, be. So uh, one thing I would like to say before this book, before we close out on Goblet, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to the relationships of like the, the female relationships and stuff in this next book because I'm not a huge fan of movie Jenny. I just don't think it's done as well as the book but like there's book, book jenny dude there's more jenny character uh in the books than there fall, the you fall in love with book although jenny. jenny has a great moment of the goblet of fire uh movie whenever ron asks floor to the ball uh jenny's not there in the book i don't think to see it but she's there in the movie to see it and she's like escorting him back to the, the common room because ron's <laughs> all like oh my god i can't believe i did that yeah and and ron's describing it uh, it's like, and then I asked her if she wanted to go to the ball with me. And then Ginny cuts in and she's like, well, it was more like he screamed it. <laughs> it was quite frightening, actually. <laughs> it's a really funny moment, yeah. a good line for her um, that doesn't happen in the book. But generally speaking, movie Ginny is not as good as book Ginny. Get ready, dude. Book Ginny. Yeah, because this is the book where... Um, Harry's still dealing with his feelings for Cho, right? And then, mm. <laughs> But has to get over them because Cho pretty definitively is not going to get over Cedric dying. Uh, and so I think we start to see the inklings of Harry and Jenny being like a serious thing and not something that we know Jenny likes Harry and all of her family makes fun of her for. <laughs> well, they kiss. Spoiler. Do I'll tell you the scene. The I'll tell you book? the scene after. I didn't think it happened till the sixth book. I'll I'm tell you. I'll tell you after. Because I remember, like the scene, but I don't remember the trappings of the scene. 
I don't know. Yeah, we'll get to that. Obviously, we've got a whole fucking book to read to get to that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> How do you want to split this next next one up? You said it was like nine hundred. It's, it's yeah. This is a really long. I mean, they all start to get really long at this point. But this, I think, might be this might be longer than Half Blood Prince if I can remember correctly. But I might be totally wrong about that too. We'll find out. I think you're right. I think Half Blood Prince is shorter, and then I think, I think, and then Deathly Hallows is is longer, but not by. A wide margin. Yeah, I want to say that like Goblet of Fire is like the long. Is <clears throat> this one's not the longest though, is it? No. The maybe Goblet maybe of next Fire one's the longest. Is like seven hundred and forty-five or sixty-five pages, and then Order of Phoenix is yeah, this one's eight hundred and seventy-five pages. I think that was when I was looking at it. So we're going to be reading close to three hundred pages a week. Um, this week is the first fourteen chapters. Read through fourteen. Stop at fifteen. It's three hundred and five pages that we'll be reading this week. All right, chapter 14. I think this will be the longest section that we're reading page count-wise, um, and then it'll be a little bit less after that uh, each week. Uh, but this uh, this breaks it up the, the most easily, as far as I could see. And going off of the uh, title chapters, I think that narratively this is a good stopping place as well. Uh, I won't reveal why for the sake of people reading it, uh, but I think that it works better this way anyways. So read through chapter 14. Stop at 15. Don't read it. Do you know how to spell Phoenix? Uh, P-H-O-E-N-I-X. Nice. I did not know it was O before E, except after... I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not know that. As I was writing down where to stop for this book, I was like, oh, that's how you spell Phoenix. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm going to watch the movie tonight, hopefully, if I can, uh, depending on how long it takes me to get ready to watch the movie. I need to wake up in the morning, like all people, I guess, though, and then read the book. I'm excited to start it, even though this is one of the, like I've said multiple times, this is typically my least favorite one to read. I do. I still am excited to get to it. Yeah, me too. This time it'll be a lot more fun. We'll be able to analyze it together and stuff. This is that. Yeah. yeah. This is the new element to it. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This will be a different uh, experience reading it than any other time that I've done it. So. I'm excited. We'll see. We'll see how quickly it is that I just start becoming frustrated with it. <laughs> this is such a frustrating story. Yes, it's, it's got. Yeah, it's got so a lot of frustration. constantly fighting everything. It's almost as bad as two in that manner. Oh yeah, how everything was against Harry. Everything is constantly against him, and sometimes for no discernibly believable reason. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the laws in this world and the um, and the rules at school in this world are so loose. Like, like Hermione's got, she's kidnapped a person. <laughs> oh, know? yeah. And, and, uh, and then just the fact that, like, I mean, Dumbledore's a nice guy, but, like, just, it almost seems like Lockhart, like, could have ruined his school, you know? It's yeah. Just, and it's just funny. Yeah. There's so many. Yeah. And it's kind of like what we were talking about last week with Rio Skeeter. Like, that's, that's liable. Like, that's yes. an illegal thing. You can take care of that. Why doesn't anybody take care of it? Yeah, that's <laughs> it doesn't not make sense a, to me. That's not a wizard law. We don't have wizard Evidently lawyers. So. Not, yeah, that's true. That's that what the house elves could do. Lawyers. That's what the house elves could do. They could write law. They would love it. Oh, that's smart. They could do that, yeah. They would love to do that. They would love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> they would love to do that work. All right. Well, you guys know how to find us, as always. Uh, anchor.fm slash ears-stamps. And that's got the links to all our stuff. Uh, you can support us there if you'd like. Um, 
tell some friend tell your friends about us if you think they'd be interested in uh, in getting some nostalgia Harry Potter stuff. Uh, yeah, and just just read the next section one through fourteen, Order of the Phoenix, mm-hmm. and I will figure out how Dumbledore and Fox meet by the next book because i googled it like two seconds before we started and it was not an easy answer so (laughs) so you couldn't have it no i couldn't figure it out it was it was just like this quote in the sixth or in the sixth or seventh book and i was like that doesn't tell you anything it's like when dumbledore left to become the greatest wizard of all time it's like okay <laughs> or no, I think it was Voldemort saying like I became the greatest wizard of all time, and Harry was like, "You weren't." Dumbledore was, and it's like, okay, well, that doesn't tell us anything. It's silly, anyway. Mm. But yeah, on that note, you guys know how to find us. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> uh, if uh, we'll see how this game goes, it's the it's game six of the World Series. Tampa Bay is currently losing to the Dodgers one to two, but if they win World Series. Game seven tomorrow night, Wednesday night, I guess the night of the day that you would be listening to this if you listen to this episode on Wednesday. So uh, go watch that and root for the Rays because fuck the Dodgers. They can all go fuck themselves. I don't even know what where they would be from. They're from L.A. Oh. Yeah, well, there's cities on fire and... Yeah, well, they, I mean, humans really shouldn't be living in California yeah. <laughs> from a very practical standpoint. Uh, but anyways, yeah, go root for go go raise raise. I'm Will Hedrick. I'm Jordan Schaffer. This is Doggers in Time Sense. I totally forgot the outro. Jesus go Christ. raise ice raise ice raise. Yeah, <laughs>